We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Paloma with me here today, as he always is. Obviously, we have things to talk about. In the event that you have a television or a phone that uh, gets internet connection, you know that things are going on in our world, in our country, with our as it pertains to our money. So we'll talk about those things in just a moment. I'm going to tell you quickly that... I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number, ask for my buddy, Corey Clark. Tell Corey what vehicle you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people how they can get in touch with you all and what's going on at Pinnacle. Indeed, man. Kind of, uh, it's, it's, man, it's kind of, uh, kind of Groundhog Day, uh, (laughs) for, over here, it's like it's like the same, the same thing every day. Uh, yeah, at least as it relates to news, is you know the world is ending and and stocks are never going to go up; they're going to continue to go down. And and then and then you have days like yesterday, uh, where stocks had their best day ever, followed by you know today, which we'll get into on the show. So man, it's um we're on a roller coaster and. And that's all right. I mean, that does volatility happens. We've just forgotten what volatility feels like uh, for the most part. But, you know, for most of our clients, we 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 focus on the long term stuff and the planning and and not focus on the day to day. Oh, the market's down. Should I sell everything and go to cash? Which then I tell them, how much are you earning on your cash? Well, zero percent, but I'm not losing anything. Wait, what did inflation just check in at? Whew. Oh, it's the highest ever. So actually, yes, you are losing money. You're losing almost 8%, um, you know, with with regards to, to inflation by sitting in cash. Well, at least my money is not losing money in the stock market. Yeah, but it never has a chance to recover if you go to cash. So anyway, those are some of the conversations that that we have with folks who, uh, you know, want to 
to hit the eject button. And actually, I, I really don't have a lot of those conversations because um, most of my tr most of my clients are are very well, uh, you know, very well dialed into the to the long term deal. But anyway, I guess if folks are going through all those emotions on their own, that means that they are not, you know, sticking to a plan that they're looking at what happens on a day to day basis. And if it's giving you heartburn or your belly aches, give us a call 601-957-0323. I can give you a means to not look at the short term. I uh, can't make people do it though. Um, or you can email us at info at my P I N N wealth.com. All right. You mentioned, um, inflation. It's obviously the story of the day here as we tape on Thursday, March the 10th. Right. This is from the wall street journal. Just in case anybody has been living under a rock, this is Gabriel or Gabrielle, Gabriel T Rubin. Um, U.S. inflation climbed to a 7.9 annual percent rate in February, another four-decade high as skyrocketing energy and commodity prices related to the Russian invasion of Ukraine pushed already elevated costs higher. The Labor Department's Consumer Price Index, which measures the cost of goods and services across the economy, was at its highest rate since January 1982 when inflation was 8.4%. Rising energy prices, including higher gasoline prices, helped push up the inflation reading along with increases for groceries, restaurant food, transportation services, and apparel. Economists expect additional price increases related to the Ukraine crisis after crude oil prices in March hit their highest level since 2008 and U.S. gasoline prices reached record highs. Excluding volatile energy and food prices, the Labor Department reported Thursday that consumer inflation rose at a 6.4% annual rate in February, up from 6% the prior month. The 12-month rates aren't adjusted for seasonality. The CPI measures what customers pay for goods and services, including groceries, clothes, restaurant meals, recreation, and vehicles. Month to month, CPI rose a seasonally adjusted 0.8% in February. One last paragraph here. Gasoline prices were up a seasonally adjusted 6.6% from the prior month for an adjusted annual increase of 38%. Groceries were up 1.4% over the prior month for an annual rate of 8.6%. Housing re rental costs rose at a slower rate, up 4.7% over the year. Used car prices declined slightly last month, pausing double-digit price increases over the past year. High demand for foods, for goods, from consumers and supply chain constraints have elevated inflation over the past year with persistent shipping bottlenecks and shortages of supplies like semiconductors rippling across the economy. A historically tight labor market has pushed wages higher and led to more open jobs than there are workers looking for work, leading businesses struggling, leaving businesses struggling to keep up with demand. I mean, there is a lot there. Let's start with the inflation you put this really well. If your income is not growing at 8% or your investments are not growing at 8% or 7.9 to be precise, then right now you're losing money. Yep. Yeah, and there's nowhere in the space right now that's growing by, you know, 8% unless you're investing directly into, you know, energy and commodities with, with all of your money which is not advisable disclaimer there <laughs> also not, not advisable 
to go a hundred percent in on, on, uh, on straight, you know, commodity, commodity plays, you know, and, and a lot of portfolios do have commodity exposure if you have a well diversified, um, portfolio, but dude, like realistically, and this is, this is pretty easy. I heard, a I heard one of our vendor vendors, uh, describe the situation this way to understand how, how did we get, you know, to where we are with this, with this number. And, uh, he kind of gave me a, a, he gave me an explanation in, in terms of apples, which makes a lot of sense. So let's roll back to, let's roll back to when the world, the world was perfect before COVID, right? So you had 10 apples and they were, and you have $10. So theoretically each apple is worth a dollar, right? So $10, 10 apples. Okay. But what we did when we shut our economy down and blasted cash into all these people's pockets, let's say that those $10 now became 15 just for easy math, right? So theoretically, you now have, you still have $10 uh, and those, but those 10 apples are worth, you know, $1.50 now instead of $10 because all of a sudden now there's more, there's more money supply, you know, in the world. So someone would be willing to pay, you know, $1.50 for those apples. But what also happened because we shut the economy down um, which we have come to figure out that that uh, how how fragile our supply chain was was we don't have ten apples anymore. We probably have like six apples. We might have eight, you know, at best. So there's just not enough apples going around, and so people are kind of panicky about you know there's not enough apples. And hey, I used to have I had ten dollars, and now I have fifteen. Um, so the willingness to pay, you know, for those apples has gone up because, uh, because there's some scarcity, right? There's not enough apples or there's not enough chips or there's not enough TVs or, you know, bicycles or name, whatever. So now you'll pay more, you'll pay more for the apple and less apples. And there are fewer apples. So instead of being, when we had 10 apples and we had 15 bucks, you know, theoretically the apples were a dollar 50, but now we have six apples. So the price, the value of those apples have gone up to and let's just say for easy math it's two dollars okay and really nothing has changed except for we have more money in our pockets that we really didn't earn we weren't expecting it it just showed up in our pockets per se and and now there's less apples because people aren't working because we were told to go home and you know sit at the house so we couldn't produce more apples so we've we've created inflation by having more supply cash money supply in circulation and we have less stuff that this money supply is chasing after yeah so the, the price for an is... easy illustration like that makes sense like it explains why we have inflation and it's persisted because really our supply chain stuff has not completely worked itself out and then you couple in you know, now we have an, a conflict with a place with a lot of natural resources. 
Uh, there's some fear around that. You know, oil prices surged. Oil prices were stuck forever. And then all of a sudden, now oil prices have, you know, gone through the roof. And then just in the last week, man. Well, there's another there's another thing the here that, that no one's talking about much. Russia is also a very big player in the global market for metals. And so people go, well, what's the big deal? Well, metals... These are metals that are used in cars to make cars, to make airplanes, yeah. uh, components in fertilizer, which is a, yeah. a huge Ukraine as well. Yeah, a huge expense in, in food production. Um, and I think those things will hit more of Western Europe and Asia harder than it hits us, you know, in the U.S. Um, but we'll feel we'll feel some of the some of the ripples, um, you know, in the in the precious metal part of of that conversation because i have one of our clients who um they have a they own a steel mill and he was telling me they use think something to create you know iron in the creation process called like pig iron or something like and i may be saying that cor- incorrectly but he's like there's two places in the world where i can get that brazil and ukraine he's like so i can't get it from ukraine anymore so now it's just Brazil, which of course is just like the apple story, right? There's less apples. So now his price for, um, you know, for creating steel or iron is, is going to go up because there's less, there's less product. All right. Let's talk about this gas price thing, because this is real. And there are people out there. I don't want to get your thoughts on it. There are people out there. When I say people, I mean, people in the media that and I'm sure this is somewhat hyperbolic, I suppose, but are saying, hey, you know, I mean, there's nothing stopping it. There's nothing magical about $4 a gallon. It can go to 5 It can go to 6 It can go to 8 Um, I saw a video that the White House put out. I believe it was today. It might have been last night. It doesn't matter. Here recent, very, very recently, within the last 24 hours, with Jen Psaki, the uh, spokesperson, White House press secretary blaming it's twofold. It's threefold. One, she's blaming Russia. And obviously there's truth to that. <clears throat> Two, she is contending that, Hey, there's a lot of, uh, of leases out there that, uh, oil companies are, have the freedom to drill and they're not drilling. And then, which is, um, I find that to be dubious. I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I have, I have concerns. Um, and then the third thing she said, which is just, it's bothersome to me, frankly, because it, it's, and maybe this is me being too much of a pragma, pragmatist. You know, she said, it's in politics, right? Never, never let a, um, a crisis go unused. Sure. And, um, they're kind of a media thing too, right? Probably, and they're really doubling down on clean energy. Clean energy. We've got to, uh, you know, alternate, alternate sources. I'm be honest. As a, as a as an American consumer, forget the media part. Forget where my political views are. Right now, I don't really feel like listening to the speech about hey, everyone, everyone, go get a Tesla. You know, if, I mean, literally, Pete Buttigieg essentially said, hey, look, if you can't afford gas prices, you need to go get an electric car. I mean, you, you want to go through the television screen. Um, 
But there is some concern, I think. If if gas prices go to $6 a gallon, $7 a gallon, $8 a gallon, are, a lot of people aren't going to be able to afford to go to work. And a lot of these people who make these decisions live in places where they don't drive. They either work from home or they, you know, have a very short commute or they take public transportation because they, you know, they live in New York or they live in D.C. or they live in, in, I don't know, San Francisco is what I started to say, L.A., whatever the case may be. Um, You know, a lot of those people live in areas where they can just work from home because they have a tremendous income and they, they, they have people come to them. But the people who come to them drive from 30, 40 miles away because they can't afford to live where these people live. And it's that, those are the people that are going to get punched absolutely in the face. They're already oh, yeah. being punched in the face by this. And then their, their groceries are higher. And if you raise, you don't have to be a genius, Martin, to figure this out. You don't have to have an, a, a degree in economics to understand that if the supply, if, if, if gas prices go up, it's, let's see, this is what bothers me about, I'm going to be political here for a minute. This is me, not Martin. This is what bothers me about the left and the, the, the we, we must be 40% electric car by 2030. Fair enough. I mean, number one, that's that's irrational. It's not going to happen. Number two, but even if that's the case, punishing people to get them to buy an electric vehicle, it, it's, it's unrealistic. It makes no sense. It doesn't work. Because if people, if you raise the prices of gas in an attempt to almost force people into um, electric vehicles, what about the trucks? What about the truckers? The way that their contracts work, they're, they're independent contractors, most of them. Right. So their if, input costs are borne by themselves, yeah. So they're raising their prices, which means the grocery stores are having to pay more for the groceries, which means you're That's paying right. more at the store to buy the grocery. That's right. And the people that ultimately can't do this, and maybe this is the intent, and I'm asking you, and you can tell me, no, Neil, I think you're being a conspiracist. And I'll say, okay, you're probably right. <laughs> but I can't help but wonder if the intent of this is to absolutely kill the lower middle class, the middle middle class, and to make those people dependent on the government dole so that when November rolls around and future November rolls around, Novembers roll around, they can be scared into voting a certain way. I can't help but wonder. I'm not saying that's the deal, but my antenna are raised by this because what makes sense today in the Biden White House or in any White House today is, hey, look, we've got a problem. And right now, my job as president is to take care of America. And I'm going to open up the pipeline. I'm going to open up strategic oil reserves. I'm going to do everything I can domestically, at least in the short term, to bring prices down, to cool the tension, to where people can afford their groceries, where people can afford to fill up their cars, people can afford to go to work without panicking. And then... Once this crisis is resolved overseas, however it's resolved in Ukraine and Russia, we'll go back to our strategy of, hey, we've really got to get you guys more 
in line with thinking about green energy, clean energy, the, 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 the Green New Deal, uh, all those things. But for right now, we've got to abandon that plan and just focus on this moment. Well, I'm going to say that sounds that sounds really scary, dude. Um, and I'm going to just hope that that I'm, I'll hope that that would be the, you know, the conspiracy side of Neil that uh, that that would happen. Well, I do, too. Because, I mean, let's just play that. Let's play that tape all the way to the end. Let's, let's just for for grins, pretend that this happens. Right. So. We say it's so they the the government agenda to, you know, to es- es- essentially choke the lower and probably let's call it middle class of of the U.S. to where they they cannot afford their basic necessities. You know, housing is let's and let's pretend that these folks are are not homeowners, that they are that they are renters. So you have, you know, rent is going up. Uh, the inflation number in rent has been uh, one of the bigger pieces of of the pie since, uh, you know, since the moratorium in evictions expired. Um, energy prices, that's a very obvious one, right? Because just last Friday, so I, I had to take a trip to Nashville with Bella, Um for show choir competition, uh, Friday morning, I uh, pulled out, I grabbed one of the, I picked up a dude that was going to ride with me. Uh, we went to the local Kroger, which is usually where it's right back, right next to the house where I usually put gas in the vehicle. And I looked at the price and it said three sixty nine, And I said, Holy shit. Uh, that was not that way, you know, a couple days before. So it's like, uh, I'm going to just roll down to Costco it's a little bit out of the way, but I know that I can get, you know, a, a better price per gallon at Costco. So we went to Costco. I filled up at $3.09. This is on Friday morning. It caught 1030-ish in the morning. Uh, Sunday, we come back from Nashville. Uh, my vehicle is is on empty. And I was like, well, I'm just going to stop at that Costco again because it's, it's more convenient for me coming back into town, you know, because I have to pass by it than where I live. Uh, so I stop at the Costco and it is three fifty nine on Sunday. So from Friday at 10 30 AM to Sunday at six 30 gas went from three Oh nine to three fifty nine at Costco. I mean, that is a, that's more than a 10% jump, you know, over the weekend. So that's a, that's for real. That's for real inflation. And we felt it at the pump ever since, you know, well, ever since we've kind of started the reopening of the economy, um, you know, about, about summer of 2020, because what gas prices were a buck 50 during the April to May ish, 2020 timeframe, dollar 50 a gallon, which is too low. That's not sustainable either. I get that. It was like 164 or something like that. Yeah, it was low. Um, but so, and then, you know, with rising grocery prices, that really does, it hurts the, you know, the lower and the, it probably hurts the middle class the worst. Cause a lot of the, the, the poverty and poor already get government assistance. So they have a little bit of offset, um, you know, with, 
with SNAP benefits or the EBT benefits. Um, but the middle class doesn't have a hedge for, for those rising prices. And their incomes are not realistically growing. The wage inflation is not keeping up with, with regular inflation. And this is all kind of the domino effect on, on each other. Um, the only way really to, for us to escape inflation as it is, would be for the economy to grow its way out of inflation or interest rates are just going to have to go up enough that it just stomps out the demand for, for stuff. And then prices will kind of fall back too. But let's, I kind of hit a rabbit trail on the let's play Neil's conspiracy theory, you know, through to the end. So, you know, if the government, if the, if the, if the government's goal was to choke out middle-class and then they, and they succeed in that, and then they come in with the solution of, Hey, uh, we really hate that this has happened to you and, you know, big evil business is bad and, and evil business people have done this to you, but we're going to come in and save the day and we're going to pump some more money into your accounts so that you can live off of. Remember the Apple story that we started with at the beginning of the show, 10 apples, $10, a dollar an apple, $15 flows in the price per apple, their elasticity can go up to a buck 50 because people have the appetite for it. But then you take four apples away and you still have 15 bucks, you know, then the price per apple goes up significantly. We start that cycle again. If the government pumps in more money to, you know, to quote unquote offset, you know, this inflation and get people dependent on the government. So then we are in a cycle that is continuous and I, I honestly don't think it's something that we could even sustain as a society because printing the money does have is 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 inherently inflationary but then the devaluation of the dollar would come after that so then everything that we would have to import you know into the US things that we can't get out of the ground, create or make here become more expensive with a deflating dollar. So it, it, the, the domino effect becomes, I don't know if you call them larger dominoes or a faster, you know, faster fall. And we kind of get into a place where you can look at like what happened in Venezuela, where, um, you know, the Venezuelan government got into, got into some trouble because, uh, you know, the, the value of their, the value of their currencies and the ability of the government to, because the government was, you know, trying to quote unquote print new money, but investors outside of Venezuela said, uh, eh, I don't, I don't think you guys are healthy enough to be able to service the debt that you are issuing to be able to print new money. So, you know, we're not willing to pay a low interest rate or receive a, a low interest rate for lending you money. We're going to, we're going to jack your interest rate up on your on your government debts, i.e., you know, treasury bonds, to a point to where the government was kind of choked out, almost defaulting on. And in Argentina, they did default on their debt, meaning they missed an interest payment. Uh, and then the valuation of their currency just crumbled, man. And so what was happening with, you know, with people 
that were working, they were asking to get paid daily so that they could go, you know, get eggs and milk and food for the day. Because if they waited to the end of the week, the cost of eggs and milk were going to go have gone up so much that their wages for the week were not going to cover what they needed to live. And I mean, and I'm not saying that that's where we would get in the U.S., but that's the path, man. If the government, if the government tries to overly subsidize, you know, uh, the middle class, and then we end up in a situation of where we can't service our debt, our currency devalues, then we get hyperinflation in our market. And then, and then me and you need to own like cryptocurrencies or other currencies, not us dollars. And I still don't think gold is a great investment, but that's what do you, what do you think about this digital dollar idea that has been bandied about? I mean, dude, it's still backed by the U S government. So uh, (laughs) like if we hit a hyperinflation, I mean, we already, we are already a fiat currency, meaning like there's nothing that backs the value of the dollar other than the faith of the world that the dollar is strong and the ability for the U S government to, you know, raise taxes to, to generate, you know, enough money to service our national debt. You know, there's, if we create a quote unquote digital dollar, it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. You know, it doesn't make the dollar more valuable. It's still backed by the U S government, whereas cryptocurrencies, you know, are not. And, you know, one of the things, and I'll dive off into Bitcoin for just a second, because, you know, there had been the whole conversation of, well, Bitcoin is kind of like a, a digital gold. And dude, during all of this insanity of the first few months of the year, uh, Bitcoin decoupled from looking like it was, quote unquote, trading like digital gold. And it traded more like a tech stock. And so that kind of got my head scratching a little bit going, well, here was the chance for Bitcoin to really cement itself as, you know, quote unquote, new gold. I'd be really interested to see what Marcos uh, would have to say about it. I haven't talked to him, um, but I was, it was a bit of a head scratcher, um, you know, that I kind of thought Bitcoin would, as we were getting more inflation into the market, that Bitcoin would have been a, you know, a, a much better hedge. I mean, it's been a better hedge than, uh, you know, tech stocks, but not by much. There's some fascinating stories out today. And it, it, it would be so easy if we had just like three hours to dive into some of this. I'll, I'll tease yeah. this oh, one. Hey, dude, before we dive in, let me say one more thing. My yeah. ADD. Um, so people who are thinking like, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, my portfolio is down 13% to 20%, you know, depending on how much, you know, if, if you are 100% stock, if you're S&P 500, you're down 13. If you're NASDAQ you know, you're down a little more than 20. If you're a 60, 40 blend, which is kind of the average person, you're probably down, you know, 9% right now, uh, year to date. But if folks are going, I need to sell my stocks and get to a safe, quote unquote, a safe place. I would really encourage folks to kind of think through that. If, if inflation is the fear, right, cash is not going to grow its way out of, you know, uh, of, of inflation. So while cash might look attractive while the market is falling, cash is not going to grow and inflation is going to persist. So you have a real 
return that is negative. Yeah, you have to stay in the market. Inflation. You just have to ride the market. That you have no choice. Stocks are yes, stocks are your stocks are the best hedge to inflation long term. And people just have to stay in. If you get rid of your stocks, you're you're just locking in some long term losses, especially if inflation does persist. And let's say it persists at a a four or five percent level for, you know, a couple of years or or hell, even a decade. Stocks are your only hope to outperform inflation. All right. Yeah, because back, every, back up the rabbit trail and because the people that are using the cash are, are are losing money too. They, right. I mean, they just your don't realize cash it. Bought you less groceries today than it did right two weeks ago. Your hundred dollar bill goes lot a lot less far than it did two years ago. Correct. Or hell, two weeks ago, dude. Or two hours ago. Um, I mean, hell, look at the gas pump. Here's hundred dollars of gas. You probably didn't even fill your truck up for a hundred bucks. I could not fill it up today. for a hundred bucks today. If I but, fill if I fill up but today, a month ago you could. Yeah, a month ago I could. A month ago it was like ninety bucks. Now it's about one hundred and twenty. Yeah. I mean, dude. I, hey, listen. I'm gonna be honest. I, I mean, I, I know that the. I'll, I'll move on. I'm. I, I'm just You're gonna. Say, I'm blown away by the people that aren't more pissed off about this. <laughs> I mean, I. You know, hit me with it, dude. I'm I'm blown away by people. Well, you know, we just need to go to clean clean energy, clean energy. It's like, well, can we can we talk about that? Yeah, can we, we can about talk about energy? it because I mean, to so, get to to get that, you have to drill. And and it and it's not going to happen now either. Well, that was because my point like earlier, right? If if you were so, I'm going to make a football analogy. Yep. You have an offense. It's a. You're running a pass happy offense, okay? You, you've you've got an offense that works. You spread the ball around, but it's quarterback driven. Okay. Yep. That's your offense. That's going to be the offense. You're an NFL team. You're a college team. Whatever. Yep. That's going to be the offense. You're a college team. That's the best. For best the year. Yeah. Yep. That's going to be the offense you're going to run as a program. You're going to run yep. that offense for if you're the head coach at at Palomo State. You're going to run this. For, <laughs> you're going to run this for twenty years. They're a badass football team. By the way. This is your offense, but but this season. The starting quarterback broke his leg, and the backup quarterback came in, and a week later, he broke his leg. Okay? Yep. Sucks. Both kids, they're going to be fine. But they're not going to be playing. They're not, they're not getting back yeah, this they'll year. they be back next year. Not getting back this year. They're both going to be fine. Surgery was successful. Everybody's okay. But right now, they're on crutches, and they can't play. That's right. And, and so your next best quarterback, dude, he can't throw. But he can run. Damn, he can run. Okay? And he can hand the ball off. Yeah, so right now you have two choices. You can be stubborn as hell and go, no, hey, look, this is our offense, damn it. This is what we do. Uh, Joe, I know, I know you can't throw, but hey, dude, suck it up. Let's go. All right, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Or, or you can go, hey, this kind of sucks because this isn't what we want to be, but you know what? For these next few weeks, I think we can simplify this thing a little bit. I think we can take some of the stuff out of our offense. I think we can run some different stuff. We can keep a few of those things in. But let's go to a more simplified offense that takes advantage of Joe's feet. We're going to, we're going to use our running backs a little bit more. We're going to run block a little bit more. We're going to be a little more conservative. We're going to lean on our defense for a little while. And we're going to navigate our way through this season. It's not going to be a championship season. But, hey, you know what? We're going to still get to the – the, the 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 citrus bowl or something. We're gonna still be okay. 
going to be all right. And then next year, when Billy and, and, and uh, Maurice are back from their leg injuries, we'll have a quarterback competition, and we're going to get back to throwing this thing because that's what we do. But for right now, for right now, let's do our job. Let's do the job that we're, we're tasked to do, and that's to take care of the program, the team, and let's, 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 simple, let's run this thing. That's where we are right now. The answer for Biden, and Biden could win a lot of support from a lot of people, including people like me, who blame him for a lot of this. If he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to open up the pipeline. We're going to open it back up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, this isn't what I like. This isn't what I want to be. I still eventually want us to get to a place where we are a, a, a clean energy, green energy. For the record, I think that's completely unrealistic. But regardless, you could say that, but you could say, but for right now, for right now, we've got to change our strategy and we've got to go back to becoming energy independent here in America for right now. I mean, dude, when Elon Musk says, quote, hate to say it, but we need to increase oil and gas output immediately. Extraordinary times demand extraordinary measures, end quote. I mean, dude, literally. <laughs> yeah, it tells you everything you need to know, right? Interest in, in, you know, in people buying electric vehicles. Of course. And he's, and he's saying um, we need to increase because dude, it impacts him too, right? It's, you know, today the te- a Tesla model, uh, I don't know what all the models are, S. I think that's the really awesome sports car, right? Um, the Model S sure. is the high-end one's like, a let's say it's $120,000. Well, that was when his input prices were, you know, were normal. But a lot of the, the stuff that he needs to create batteries and then a lot of the resources that he needs for making those electric vehicles are come from Ukraine, you know, his input costs are going to become higher. And then if diesel is double, you know, what it was when he marked the cars at $120,000, he's got to make a decision. He's either going to make less money as a business owner, right? Or he's going to cut staff, which he could, uh, or he's going to raise the price of the Model S. And so maybe it's not 120000 Maybe it's 150 because input costs have gone up so much. So, you know, and, and a lot of that is because of the ability to get stuff and the cost of oil to get that stuff to his factories. Because whether he creates, you know, because just because he creates electric vehicles does not mean that the, uh, you know, trucks that truck in all of his stuff don't use diesel, just like you said earlier. That's what bothers me, though, is that it's Biden, I realize this is pie in the sky. It's probably as pie in the sky as electric vehicles are, frankly. Um, but the job is to protect the Americans. That's that's the job is, is to, you know, protect America. And right now, by being so agenda-driven, you're punishing Americans. You know that he goes, well, you know, there's a price to be paid. How, what, if, what, what about when that price is prohibitive? And that's where we are, right, for a lot of people. Because here's the truth. It's not going to cripple people like you and me. But this is my problem with all of it. And I've always said this, and I feel like I'm picking on towns or something. But I don't think the people who make decisions have ever been to the Walmart in Batesville, Mississippi. I I don't think they've ever been to that Walmart. And walk around and say, okay, none of these people realistically are driving Teslas 
in, in or electric cars, period in seven years. Yeah. You I mean a lot of them have, you know, you look at the parking lots and it's going to be, you know, older used vehicles and some are, you know, older used vehicles that are not fuel efficient by any stretch of the imagination. And to build the grid necessary to make that happen in places like Batesville, Mississippi, the last thing you need, yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. The last thing you need, though, is for all of those people to get to a place where they can't afford to work. Well, now there's no tax money. I, it, Martin, I, it, I, and I wasn't alive to experience the 70s, like the, you know, the oil issues uh, that, you know, that happened in the 70s. Um, I mean, I was I was born right after all of those, you know, all of those kinks got worked out. Um but dude, you had, I mean, you had, you had some significant impact with, um, you know, and I, and I realized that things are a little different now, meaning that, you know, we, we are not so dependent on OPEC, um, for, for oil or for gas. We just have to make the decision as a country, like, you know, Trump was doing And again, this is not a, this is not a me being a pro Trump dude. Um, but making the decision to, to become less dependent on, you know, on, uh, on foreign imports for our, our critical, for our critical needs. And I mean, even like at the beginning of all of the Rona stuff, when they were just trying to figure out well, where the hell is all the acetaminophen manufactured now? Well, it used to be manufactured in Puerto Rico and now it was man- all manufactured in China and Trump's like, okay, hold on. That's a critical that's a critical thing. Why don't we crank up the factories again in Puerto Rico and and make some acetaminophen in the U.S. Uh, and just be less dependent on foreign agencies for things that are absolutely necessity for yeah. life? Yeah, it's, it's my it's my criticism of my field is that, and again, I I said this many times, made a lot of people mad. I I didn't think Trump acted particularly presidential. I, I thought his Twitter. No, I, I thought I his. That, I thought his man. Twitter account was um was. I think reasonable people can uh, can can agree with that. I thought his Twitter account was was, frankly, a disgrace to the office. I do. I still think that, and I know people who were around him who told him that, uh, literally to his face. Um, but he thought that was appealing to his base, which showed a lack of political acumen, because you don't win elections appealing to your base you win nominations appealing to your base you win elections appealing to the middle and the middle was turned off it's why the it's it's why i think republicans are going to win really big in in november it's not because of the candidates are better or the bases are motivated it's because the middle will, will swing back to the right because their their pocketbooks have been hit hard and and they'll they'll vote with their pocketbook like most people usually do but the the point of all of that was that what the media never did was they never really gave Trump the credit for some of the things that you just described for sitting in a NATO meeting and talking about the discrepancy with the, the, the Germans um, purchasing so much of, of Russian energy and how, you know, it was percentage of GDP and all of those things that he pointed out. And he was exactly right that he's been proven to be right. And um, I don't know. I I think we've, I think we're closing in on crisis point. I mean, there are people that are out there, and I think this is hyperbolic, 
But they're like, hey, $10 gas, $12 gas. I don't think we'll go there, but mm, Martin, no. $8 gas? I, I think we'll have, I think people will start making, you know, alternative decisions before we get to, you know, 8 or $10 gas. Sure. Because, well, I mean, you but, think about. But, but you'll shut down the vacation industry, right? You're going you're gonna to kill oh, yeah. the tourist industry. And, and there's a part of me, and this is back to my conspiracy, maybe that's what they want. Yeah. Maybe that's what they want. And I, I don't, well, I, and so I don't, I don't it doesn't like make sense. And for a place like Mississippi, dude, let's, I mean, if, if gas, let's just, let's be hyperbolic. Okay. Let's say gas is $10 a, a gallon. And call I know it, you got a hard stop. Call it $8, call it $8 a gallon. Okay. Let's say $8 a gallon. And let's just say that. So what does that mean you know, for people that. 20 for, gallon, for people, 20 gallon tank. So let's, let's use um, my, I have an F-150 that has 30 gallon tank. Okay. So when it was. A buck sixty. When it was a buck sixty, I could fill up for about forty-eight bucks. Yeah, and at eight dollars, you're two hundred and forty dollars. Two hundred and forty dollars for gas. So, and let's just say that you have to fill up, you know, once a week. Okay. And because you're driving to work, and I I realize in your case, you uh, do a lot of work from the house. But let's say you're a normal, sure, you're a normal dude, and you have a, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a twenty mile commute each way i'm a guy that works in houston and lives in katy and i have to be in traffic for 55 minutes a day each way so i mean okay that's a good okay that's a good one i live in i live in katy and i drive into houston each day it's about 20 miles and you're filling up you're filling out once a week minimum let's just say minimum once a week so you know and then let's say that you make um fifty thousand dollars you know, a year say I make, in income, which okay. is sure. Say, say I make a hundred. Okay. So you make a hundred, okay. which means that your gross pay each month is about 8,000 bucks, but that's not your take home pay. Mm-hmm. That's your gross. So after you pay for your insurance, you know, your taxes, and let's pretend that you make the decision at this point going, gosh, with things the way they are, I, I really can't contribute to my 401k. So you're not okay. putting in your, okay. you know, your 10% sure. into your, and, and maybe let's say that you've made the decision that, you know, and this is going to be, I'm probably going to get my, I won't even say it. Never mind. I'll get my ass whipped for saying that. I was going to say you take the money away from God and you're not tithing to your church, but you're going to tithe to your church because you're a good boy. So let's, well, let's pretend that you do. So that's $8,000 a month, 800 bucks right out of the gate is going to Jesus because you're tithing because you're a good little boy. Um, so, and then we have, let's just say that a third uh, or let's say a quarter, a quarter of your paycheck is held back for taxes, you know, insurance for the family. So on 8,000 bucks, a quarter is two grand. So you're at $6,000 and you tithe. So you are at 5,200 bucks. And let's say in Katy, Texas, your rent or your mortgage is, is $2,000 a month. Minimum. Right. I mean, because that's reasonable for yeah. It's probably Katie, a, it's probably probably a little more than that, but yeah, yeah. Well, let's just say that it's two grand. So okay. we were at sixty two hundred. Mm-hmm. We are now at forty two hundred dollars, and um, all we've paid is the mortgage. Yep, and taxes. So I got now I got utilities. Yep, and, and water utilities sewer. are going up because you know gas prices are going up. But yeah. let's just pretend that utilities are. What do you want to say? Two two fifty a month. Oh wow! Okay. Two fifty a month, and then you got phone, cell phone, and you know all that stuff. So yeah. let's bump that to, you know, five. We'll we'll say five hundred, even though 
if you have kids in your house and all that stuff, yeah, we're, we're being bills. we're being too detailed because you're get the the, the 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 point you're going to get to eventually though, right? Is that if you add eight hundred dollars a month to your fuel prices, well, a thousand, yeah, and that's if just two hundred forty dollars a week. Okay, that's a thousand, and that's just for your car. That's your car. What if what if your wife works you a, too? Yeah. So then you add a. Let's say hers is more fuel efficient because she doesn't drive an F one fifty. She drives a Honda Accord. Okay. But um, but so her fuel costs are half as half as much as yours. Right. That's still an additional five hundred dollars. Yeah. And so people say, well, so, she makes she makes some money. But the point is, you're, you're and then groceries you're, are caught five hundred bucks. You're you're out of you're out of money. But yes. you're you're getting pretty close to being and so let's know, let's say she and makes a hundred thousand dollars of income. And let's say she makes sixty, it's a hundred and sixty, but you're still you're not putting anything back anymore. You're 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 starting if that couple this is my point. If that couple is living sort of paycheck to paycheck, yep. then the couple that you it's the reason why when you said fifty, I said no, let's do a hundred. This was the reason why. Then the guy who makes fifty and has the same deal, he can't make that drive can't anymore. Make Mm-mm. He can't Doesn't do work. it. He can't do it. The Math the guy that makes the hundred, he can do it. It's, it's going to hurt. And you get these people. This is what infuriates me. Well, maybe this is just part of the sacrifice. Maybe this is just what we have to do. That should not. That's not an American thing to say. No. Well, in the average, the average income in Mississippi is is probably the average household income in Mississippi is probably right at the. 50-ish mark. It's I'm what, guessing. I haven't looked to see what it is. It's what drove me crazy about COVID. The people who were so ironclad about we must shut down, we must lock down, we must close the schools, we must do this. Those are the same ones who walk around and talk about how they really care about the, 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 the person that has less. They really care about the underprivileged. And it's now coming out. The reports are coming out. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I don't have time to read the whole thing. But I'll find the um, I'll find the headline for you real quick because a friend sent it to me. Average household income in Mississippi is forty five thousand dollars. New York Times headline yesterday quote It's alarming. Children are severely behind in reading. That was predictable. That was predictable. It's what drives me crazy is that when you know that these things are going to be damaging and you do them anyway. It's why right now. In the country, and I mean, the risk of being repetitive, you've got to change your offense, at least temporarily. Yeah. The quarterback's out. He's not you coming back ask, for hey, a little who while. threw a ball in high school? Yeah, well, and it's now time to go, hey, so you run it pretty well. You run it pretty well. So let's put some stuff in. Let's put some misdirections Triple in. Option. Let's do some things. Yeah, let's put some stuff in that's going to help us navigate this crisis. And then once we get through this crisis, uh, Joe, we're going to move you back out to wide receiver where you belong. Uh, we're going to get our quarterback back in here. We're going to put our offense back in, and we're going to go. But right now, we can't. Right now, we've got to navigate this crisis, or we can be stubborn and we can lose all of our games. That's what it feels like. That's kind of where we are, and it feels like right now we're sort of the people that are in charge are going, no, we're going to lose the games. We're going. To, this is this is our offense. This is what we're going to do, and 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 we're just going to blame. We're going to blame injuries. Okay, but your job is to navigate the season. Anyway, I feel like this turned into my soapbox. So I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, so just I looked at the census.gov um, 
and it is median median household income in Mississippi is is forty five thousand. Uh, and, that, and that's in 2019. I realize that might have gone up a little bit. So we were we were pretty in the ballpark. Yeah. So if, if you call it 50, 50 still, 50-ish. yeah. If people 50-ish. are having to drive, the, if their if their gas prices are quadrupling, they're hurting because they're yeah because well, their salary didn't quadruple decisions at that point. Yeah. And it's they either carpool if they if they have that option with folks, or you know maybe one of them says, hey. uh, you know, you you can't go to work. It's going to cost us more for you to go to work than than you bring in. Yep. All right, Mark. All right, dude. I know you had a hard stop. Yep. And, um, enjoy I, your I rambled. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Thank you to everyone yep. listening for making us a part of your weekend. We'll be back next week with another edition of Mind on My Money, brought to you by Pinnacle. Until then, for Martin Paloma, I'm Neil McCready. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.